0: You're on the air with Patricia Adams Live. This is day three of ten leading up to Father's Day. Tonight is an open forum line. You can call in and speak with the host. And the number is 515-602-9668. So call in for open forum night. Call 515-602-9668. Again, the number is five one five Let's hear what you have to say about fathers leading up to Father's Day. As husbands, as brothers, as friends, as uncles, as cousins, as neighbors, as coworkers. What do you have to say about fathers? As a daughter, as a son, as a grandson, as a granddaughter, we want to hear what you have to say about fatherhood. And if you've had a great father, let's celebrate him tonight, leading up to Father's Day. If you have not had a great father, or you don't have an awareness of who your father is. And and so it's like, having a father versus having someone who contributed to your birth is different, very, very different. And I think that we do a disservice to ourselves as women, as men, by believing that because you had intercourse with someone that, that automatically makes you a mother or, makes him a father because clearly anyone can give birth but it takes a different level to be a mother to be a father sometimes we become mothers and fathers we didn't have someone to show us the way and oftentimes you find people
1: and and, and I,
0: I say this out of experience from people that I've been associated with and in my own life, that sometimes because people didn't have proper parenting, they intentionally don't parent well. And I've had someone say to me, and this is the truth, that why should their children have a good mother? when they didn't have a good mother. And if that makes me a bee, then so be it. I felt for the woman who said that, and I felt for her children. And perhaps you have these same feelings. Perhaps you feel like, well, nobody took the time out to be a mother or a father to me. Therefore, I'm just going to keep giving birth to, and whom was that? Two, three, four years ago, a woman continuously kept giving birth. And she went public on national TV and she said it was somebody's responsibility to help her with all these children. Clearly, she continued to have children when she had a lack of support for the children. And it's sad to think. And I see people, um, I walk amongst people from all walks of life who either were neglected as children and they become pregnant, they've given birth, but they have no bonding, no attachment to these children. These children are an extension. And and I, I, again, I, I will say this, that I overheard someone, I was in their direct present. So this isn't hearsay. And one of the children asked to see their father. And the response to that child was, what do you need to see your father for? He needs to give me my money. And the look on this child's face was, is that all I am? I'm I'm someone or something that you benefit from. And this child happened to be a preteen male child. And this was said publicly in front of not just myself, in front of a lot of different people. And that young child, that young boy, someday is going to grow up and perhaps become a husband, perhaps become an uncle, perhaps become a father or perhaps not. But at some point or another, he's going to have to overcome what was said to him. So leading up to father's day, I want men in particular to get unstuck, unstuck. And and here's another scenario is that in lieu of the biological father, that oftentimes men will step up to another woman who has children and the father or the man is absent and try to step in. Or women will go looking for somebody in particular to step in, especially during Father's Day and Christmas and all the special holidays and the other times and birthdays and the other times they discard these individuals as worthless and no good and, and all of that. But as long as they serve the purpose of meeting that need, then they're fine. I don't know how many of you watch Fraternity Court. I'm not like a TV watcher, but I've seen episodes on like YouTube and I've seen men shredded to bits shredded to bits who have stepped up to the plate to be in a woman's life and in a child's life and only to find out that that child is not theirs. And the response from the woman when she finds out, well, I knew he wasn't, but, you know, I didn't want to say anything. And oh, well, oh, well, you know, no, thank you. No, nothing. I apologize. I'm sorry. And for some reason, in society, we want to believe that there are no men who are capable of fathering, especially in the minority community, not just the black community, in the minority community, that only people who are non-minorities are capable of being fathers and being in their children's lives. Well, clearly, if you watched Maury, if you watched uh, whatever, Jerry, and all these other shows, then you find out that it's an equal opportunity platform for men who have sown a seed inside of a woman to not want to be in relationship with that woman or that child because it wasn't their intent. It was not their intention to go into being a father. Well, That whole thing is twofold. So I can, I can tell you based on what I have seen, what I have read, what I have observed is that wrap up is what we always say. If you don't want to be a father, wrap up. But then there is another story and it's not only one story, but this particular story where a woman says she intentionally pierced the rubber. And the man had on a condom, but she intentionally pierced it in hopes to get pregnant. Then there was another one where she said that when he disposed of the condom, she took the condom and she extracted the semen and and impregnated herself. I don't know what all it takes or whatever to to do all of that. And there, there are so many things where condoms are taken and put in a freezer and, and frozen and unthawed and that's extracted. So here's the thing is that as men and as women, we both have a responsibility to how we present ourselves to one another, to how we go about navigating relationships and navigating life. If someone has not come to you and said, you know, I want you to be the woman to have my children, and all they've come and you know for a fact that all they're looking for is sex, that's not a relationship. That's not the ground for a relationship, a long-term relationship. And having a child out of that type of relationship is not Grounds for starting a family. And it's not grounds for saying that you're no good. And if the man says, you know what, I I grew up, I didn't have my father and I didn't want to be in a relationship with her, but I want to be in a relationship with this child. If this child is mine, I want to be in a relationship with this child. And then the woman says, well, you know, it's kind of like an all or nothing. You either want both of us, all of us, or you don't want any of us, but we'll take the child support. Leading up to Father's Day, I would like to kick over the sacred cow. Father's Day was a day that was instituted by another human being. Have you looked up the history of Father's Day? I talked about the history of Mother's Day. And there's so many days that have been instituted and then commercialized for the benefit of the economy and the economy basically is benefiting from this and people are buying cards and gifts and presents and all types of fancy things to prove that they are good fathers or that their father was a good father or they are worthy of these gifts. In reality it's time for us to get our priorities in place. The country, this world, the government the whole system as it is needs us as human beings, doesn't matter what color your skin is as human beings, it needs us to stop living an illusion, stop living in a fantasy world, stop living a life that is based on the whims of commercials. And commercials come on, they tell you how to feel, what to wear, what to buy, how to smell, how to look. How to walk, how to talk, who to hang out with, um, what makes you popular. We live our lives in a fairy tale, living up to the expectations of a commercial, of what it is to be a father, to have a father, to honor a father. All these ideas and responses would get from commercials. And I believe that if you really want to know what it is to be a father, what it is to honor a father, what it is to be fathered, that's the biggest point tonight, is being fathered. That's the issue at hand. Many have not been fathered. Whether you are a man or a woman, many of us have not been fathered properly, adequately, long enough, hard enough, strong enough for us to say that we're whole, that we're well, that we're not lacking anything, that we are not codependent, that we're not walking around wounded, self medicating with alcohol, with drugs, with whatever vices, be it sex, whatever it is, be it gambling, be it clothes shopping, be it a hunger and a thirst for uh, material gain or for acknowledgement or for fame. We're looking for approval, someone to approve of us, someone to accept us. And this is me talking to you as a woman who had neither mother or father biologically in my life. And when I can tell you that your worth is established by your father, the father in your life sets the value of who you are as a human being, as a male and a female, but especially as a female. Because a female who has had her value and her worth set by her father, and he has made her of high esteem in his eyes and in her eyes, will have a very different relationship with the world will navigate the world very differently. And I will share this story. I remember um, a while back that a gentleman said to me, he says, have you noticed how differently a woman walks when there's been a father in her life? Hadn't thought about that. So this was a very, very intense and deep conversation. And it didn't just happen once. It was like an ongoing conversation. And I learned a lot from listening to him because he was speaking as a father. And then he also began to talk about um, interracial marriages and how black men are married, who marry white women marry white women because they were easier to entreat. They were easier to engage with. And they didn't come with all the baggage of having to fight for everything. So they were smoother. That It it was, like, more comfortable to be with them. And this is not a racist conversation. This is really knowledge. And why is that? Because if the father was present, then he dated her, he courted her, he showed her her worth, and he showed her her value, and he showed her how he treated her mother in expectation of how she should be treated. So, when the woman goes and she has that father daughter dance, the expectation is, is that I'm handing you off to this man, and I am expecting him to be better to you that I've been to you and at the same time should he fail to measure up to the standard that I've set for you then you tell your daddy now I don't know if that's right or not because sometimes when you first get married it doesn't go that way but the potential to take to that level is there and oftentimes you find that men do reach that level and, and surpass And the fathers don't really approve of them right away, but eventually they win the father over. But he began to tell me this. He said, so I just want you to just walk. So we would be walking to lunch um, at work, and he said, just observe the difference when um, the women are coming from the lunchroom headed back to the office. And he says, okay, watch how the white women greet us and watch how the black women greet us. And it was, it was a distinct difference in how they responded. And he said, and that is what draws men to a woman, not just a white female, a black female, these qualities that he pointed out to me that he said he did not always... Find them present in a black female, especially if she did not have her father in her life to nurture her, to guide her, the way that a father in a white family had been there. And because he personally chose, personally chose um, to date both races of women and to marry both races of women, he could speak to me about that. I I took him as an authority. I took him at his word. This was his personal choice. This was his personal preference. He loved. He didn't discriminate between either. He just said that it was more difficult for him to be in his relationship with his black wife because of the baggage that she brought into the relationship with her. Now, White women have that. Hispanic women, we can all have baggage. But I'm, I'm I'm not taking a racial divide here. I'm simply saying is that when we look for men to procreate with, are you looking for child support? Are you looking for a come-up? Are you looking for a man? Are you looking for somebody to just upgrade you? Or are you really looking for somebody to build a family with leading up to Father's Day, the men who have stayed and not left, I believe should be worth more honor than another tie, another pack of socks, another pack of underwear, uh, a meal. There are so many things that can be done to honor a man who is maybe not even the biological person of a child, but has stepped up to the plate and has been that child. There are white males who are fathering black men black men's children, there's the opposite of black men, fathering white men's children. So this is an equal opportunity conversation. This is not a race issue. This is simply a conversation about how we go forward. We are seeing black men slain and our children are watching this. Never thought that after coming through the assassinations of the sixties, of the civil rights movement, of watching our parents as they were, um, being uh, yard boys, being house being helpers, um, coming up from poverty, coming up from whatever, that we would be still revisiting this cycle that this cycle would be repeating itself, that you see armed, the National Guard called out the way that it was called out in the 60s. Never thought that I would see that again. But this time, this time, I believe that we can expect a change in how men father and how men Go about the business of procreating, taking on more responsibility for their scene. I have not been able to engage the story of George Floyd. I, I just have not been able to seek to do that because I saw a clip of it and I saw the smile on the officer's face as he had his knee in this gentleman's neck. And I couldn't engage that, could not engage that. Um, At some point, I hope to, but right now, I have not been able to engage that. But if he was somebody's father, he definitely was somebody's son, he was somebody's brother, somebody's uncle, somebody's friend whatever his background was, whatever he went through. I, I saw images from the National Archives and I posted them on my social media. And it took me back. It took me took me back to the 1960s to the 1970s. And during the 60s and the 70s, what was going on? We had the assassination of Meghda Everett, we had the assassination of Martin Luther King, of John F. Kennedy, of Robert Kennedy, of um, several notable, leaders in the community and um I, I remember watching on tv black and white tv the, the tear gas the the riot guns, all, all of these things blasting people and the water hoses and the the billy clubs and all of this uh people being blooded and bruised and the murder at kent state and and all these things are just like things that I still recall 9/11. All these things that I recall—the level of violence that I have witnessed in my lifetime, as a child, as a teen, as an adult—and the inhumanity to man is 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 unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. And as long as it's not happening to you, then you it's it's. It's a matter of indifference, but what happens to one human being is happening to all of us, all of us, because at some point the tables could turn. And when I say the tables could turn is that right now, um, black people in America are a low percentage based on the entire population in the world are a low percentage. There is a high percentage in, in prisons. And so we come out of slavery only to find that our fathers, our brothers, our siblings end up being called off to prison because another form of enslavement. How did they get there through drugs, through whatever, something. But this image that I posted on my social media was from the period of the 1960s and 70s where the black community was struck with heroin. And uh, this is kind of like pre, pre-cracks, but it leads into cracks. And you see men uh, sleep in trash cans, like literally have so emaciated that they can fit in a trash can on the corners of New York City. And then it's a series of like 28 photographs. And, and look it up, Google it, the National um, Archives, 28 photographs of the period between the 60s and the 70s. And it starts out with New York City city being a hotbed for porn, for uh, peep shows, for illicit drugs, everything that you could get your hands on, uh, live girls, all kinds of stuff. And all this stuff was just um, Times Square, Times Square. I did not associate Times Square with all of that, but I do remember going to New York and visiting people in New York. And I was a young enough girl that I was like in shock. And this is the same time frame. And, and I, when I saw the photograph, I'm like, this is the same time frame that I traveled to New York. And I remember I was, like, walking down the street in Greenwich Village. And there were people on the ground, on the sidewalk, on top of each other, up and down, up and down, up and down. I didn't have a concept of what was happening. And I'm like, what are those people doing on the sidewalk, up and down like that, up and down? They were on the sidewalk having sex, publicly having sex, and no one was arresting them, no one was stopping them, nothing. And I said something, and the adults had no explanation for me. They just whitewashed over it, and we went on, and we had uh, dinner, and nobody spoke of it. But as I grew up, I still had that image in my mind. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what in the world were they doing? And obviously, as I became an adult, I realized what they were doing. But no one had that conversation with me. And then I come back and I see these images on um, the National Archives. And I'm like, it took me back. So the responsibility for where we are as a country, can be found tied to the systems of this of this economy. Whatever it took to make money, selling women, peak shows, drugs, sex, all of that. Another thing, and, and you think about it, the Indians are not as a great a people, number wise, as they were. They have a high rate of suicide and alcoholism and, and all types of things, but it's intentional. It, it, it was intentionally done, and so you still move forward. So anything that you do that you find where someone has intentionally put things in place and in motion to cause another human being to fall or to falter, that's a systematic problem. So we have fathers who are missing that can't be found that can't be traced, that just turn up missing and and I was looking at that, and it's like they end up homeless or and they end up in the morgue, and nobody's in to, to claim them, and then they either get donated to science or get incinerated i'm I'm coming into this because. These are things that are on my mind as we lead up to Father's Day. Where are the fathers? Men who procreated with a woman without the intent of being a father, they were simply trying to have a good time. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about men who procreated with a woman, whether they were married them or not, and they decided, they made a conscious decision that I'm going to take responsibility for this child, and they go on and later discover that the child was never biologically theirs, but they supported that child, and they say, you know, you're going to always be my baby girl, you're always going to be my baby boy, and they get over it. That's, that's a different kind of man. And I hope and pray that if you have a man like that in your life, that you do more than buy him a pair of socks, a tie, and take him out to dinner. Sit down and have a conversation with him and tell him how much he means to you, how valuable he is to you. Just, just talk. Just have an open dialogue, have a relationship, because you may never get to say that again with that man. If you have a man in your life who is biologically your father, do the same with him. Do, break, break the tradition. You don't have to go out and spend a whole bunch of money on stuff and things. Sit down, sit down and have a heart to heart conversation and then ask him, what would you like to do today? Where would you like to go? Is there something that I can do for you? Is there something that you've been wanting to get done? I've seen a lot of guys on YouTube who have been able to reach a certain level of success. And they say, you know, I'm going to go and do this for my dad. I'm going to do this for my mom. I'm going to do this because this is something that and there was this guy on there who was like angry grandpa. And the son went and found a car that had belonged to him that he had to sell in order to support his family. And they brought the car back, cleaned it up and everything gave it back to him. He was overwhelmed by that. But What was so amazing is that he only kept the car for a little while and decided to sell it again. And the family was like, are you serious? But it wasn't long after that that he passed away. So different people respond to things differently. I interviewed Linda Day on day two last night, and her book is "Sane enough. Her book is about her mother who sexually abused her and her sister and their father's emotional disconnect in that relationship. She went on to talk about how she finally had a meltdown and she confronted her mother when she was like maybe 80-ish and I think her father was 87, 89 at the time and the mother was still not acknowledging, and then finally she said, you know what, I'm your mother, I can touch you anywhere I want to. And the father overhears this, and it's not long after that confrontation that he dies. And Linda says, you know, I honestly believe that it was a wake-up call for him that came so hard and so heavy on him because he had no clue, she said, she believes that he had no clue that their mom was doing those things to them. He just was emotionally detached from the family. He provided for them a very good life, but he was not emotionally engaged with the girls. And she said, my, my mother lived on to her 90s. When my father died, she said um, she moved into, like, a a retirement community, built a great reputation for herself, and nobody there knew what she had done. And everybody there just loved her. And she took her little hover around, and she just hovered around the place, and she was just very well-liked and very well-loved. She created the world that she wanted for herself and the identity that she wanted for herself. And I asked her, I said, so why do you think that your mother lived as long as she did after your father passed away? Well, the numbers say, you know, women tend to live 10 years longer after a man passes away. But she said to me something that I thought was very profound. She said, when you don't have a conscience, you tend to live longer because you don't think about the bad things that you've done to other people. Because as far as you're concerned, you've done nothing wrong. You've done nothing bad. But the people that have had bad things happen to them, often don't live this long life. Well, I hope and pray that you have a long life and that you live intentionally, that you come through every trial, every hardship, every difficulty that you are facing right now and that you will face in the future that as you become the man that you want to become and that you were born to become and the father and the husband and, and all of that, that you desire to be, that your children rise up and that they accept you and that they love you and respect you and honor you and that the Bible says that this type of person is. He sits in the gates of the city, and he's thought highly of this type of man. And that's the kind of man that I'm asking my audience to honor, that if you have had a man in your life, be it blood or not, who has been honorable to you and has honored you, don't get caught up in the trap of Father's Day. Honor him every day. Honor him every day. You don't have to wait till Father's Day to honor him. Honor him every day. Matter of fact, honor him every day leading up to Father's Day and make a tradition change some things. And and, and just, you know, a little thing. I remember when, um, as, as a parent, and I received a macaroni card. I had never made one of those in school, and, and some of you maybe had or whatever, or maybe you know what I'm talking about, where your child makes a card with uh, elbow macaroni and, you know, puts, you know, love you in there and says some, you know, nice words about you and things like that in school. And I still have that macaroni card. (laughs) It meant that much to me. And something simple, something that is unexpected, do something for the man that has, stepped into your life and been an honorable man in a difficult time, in a difficult situation, maybe you didn't have everything that you wanted, but you had everything that you needed. And that was the father's love, which surpasses a lot of things and stuff. You can always get things and stuff, but you can't always get an honorable father. So I applaud the men who have stayed, the men who are staying, and the men who shall stay. But above all of that, I ask that you do better for yourself, you do better for your children than was done for you, than what is currently being done for you. You may not see your way clear right now, but you're worth it, you deserve it. And I hope that you will find the honor and the love and the respect in this lifetime that you deserve and that your children will honor you and love and respect you and that you will know what it is to be a good father, one who guides and protects and not just provides so important if you've had a man in your life who has been there to guide you, to protect you, and then provide for you, that you do something leading up to Father's Day that is different from anything that you've done. And I'm going to continue doing this past Father's Day. The day after Father's Day, I will end this series. But this was an impromptu series, so I didn't do a lot of promoting of it or anything like that. It was like, what can I do in light of all the bad that's happening right now that as we're coming into Father's Day, what can I do to add something of value in this climate? Thank you to the fathers, biological, non-biological, for staying and not leaving, but I pray you find the strength to do better, to be better, to give better than you got and that you're getting for the health and the safety and the welfare of you and those that love you and those that love you back tick tock I see the clock tick tock I see the clock it's time for human beings to be better human beings you don't need the law to tell you that it's time to be a better human being it's time to make a better space and a better world for the future world to come and the future life to come. I'm going to end the show and I hope that something that I've said speaks to you and, oh, you know, I forgot. Today I was... um. Picking up an item that I ordered, and I saw an elderly man sitting on the curb, and he had a soda cup, if you would, like, you know, one of the large 32, 44-ounce cups, styrofoam cups, where he had gotten a drink, and he was sitting there, and he was about to light um, something. You know, the smoke. I I didn't really pay attention. And as I was about to pull away, I heard a voice say to me, give him some money. Give him some money. I'm not going to tell you the amount, but he said, you know, it was a specific amount. And then the voice said to me, when you give him the money, tell him, I'm not giving you this money because... You might need it, but I'm giving you this money because I need to give you this money. And then tell him that I love him and I'm thinking about him. So I pull my car around in front of him and he stands up and I pass him the money and I repeat to him and I say, I'm giving you this money, not because you need it, but because I need to give it to you. And I need to tell you that God loves you and God is thinking about you. And his face lit up and he said, I know exactly what you're talking about. Thank you. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know how long he had been sitting on that curb. I don't know what he was thinking about. I don't know what he was feeling. Don't know anything about him. Didn't take his name. Didn't take his address or his phone number. I simply did what I was told to do. Somebody's mother, our father, brother, uncle, grandfather. But... All I can say is is that never seen that man before in my life, and may never see him again that if you don't believe in God, <laughs> I don't know what you believe in, but I believe in God, and I believe that he loved that man, that much, that he would send me in his path to give him a message because he must have been feeling like God didn't love him and nobody was thinking about him or whatever he was thinking or whatever he was feeling, the look on his face and the complexion in his face lightened up. So I say to you, God loves you, God is thinking about you, and I wish you well. I wish you a happy Father's Day. From Patricia Adams Live, thank you so much. Whenever you listen to this show, I hope that you will share it with someone else. I hope that you will find comfort and healing wisdom and guidance and strength to hold on, to persevere, to come through this because better days are ahead. Thank you. And I will close again with Eric Clapton, if I could change the world. in tomorrow, day four, leading up to Father's Day. i